If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso, and this week I am joined exclusively by Jay Palomaro, my partner and friend in the Wanna Practice app. And it's a very special episode because we want to talk to you about what it takes to build an application. Now, Jaya, you've done this plenty. JP, I'm going to call you JP from now on, yeah. your preferred <laughs> nomenclature. Sure. Um, JP, uh, you've done on this a lot. This is my very first app. This is my this is my first baby. Uh, so I was mystified by the process. I'm really glad that I got an opportunity to work with you, and and I hope we can shed some light on the complexities and and all the permutations of the things that you do. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, and uh, thanks for having me. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, you know, happy to join in the podcast again, and and also always great to talk to you, Ben, because. And I, I always tell you this whenever we meet, but you have a great energy and I, you know, I, I'm always uh, awed by it. And then I love to love to, you know, interact with you. So thanks for well, having me. Know, I'm just trying to meet your energy. That's all it is, man. It's, it's, <laughs> you're one of the most excitable, enthusiastic and driven people I know in this industry. And, and uh, uh, I think we feed off each other. That's a good thing. So for those of you um, who are listening, our, our three listeners, you may recognize JP. He was on the show last year talking about uh, his company and product, uh, iCompass. I, uh, that's P-A-A-S. Um, and um, I was so impressed by that. I was so taken by his approach and uh, his, his concepts and the way that he spoke about it. And again, your enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> that when I decided I wanted to make an app, I turned to him and I said, hey, you know, I let you be on the show. Now you owe me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So uh, actually, those are interesting comments. I, I was not expecting that at all. So when you came to me and talked about, hey, I have this idea, uh, you know, I have these books that I'm selling and they, they seem to be, you know, flying off the shelf and like, uh, you felt like the interactive uh, app with, you know, new questions being added all the time and and basically serving and you have that whole like passion to serve your students and get give them more access and then better ways of, you know, uh, preparing for exams and stuff like that, that passion. I'm like, let's do it. I, I did not even think about like, you know, I just felt like it was a worthwhile endeavor, uh, given especially your standing in the community when it comes to like, you know, teaching and, and also exams and, and prep, exam prep and all that, I felt like, you know, this is a no brainer for me. I'm like, yeah, let's do it, do it. And, and I think the, the fact that you brought so much to the table, uh, for me, just made it a, like a simple decision to just, uh, 
go about building this app. Yeah, absolutely. Is it is it wrong of me to admit that I was entirely surprised that you said yes on the next email that we didn't even discuss it? You just said yes, let's do it. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I, again, as I said, it's I have a ton of respect for you and what you do. So I, again, it was an easy yes for me because I just felt like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And we were we were thinking about something like this. But again, never had a, a someone like that your stature to come come to us and talk to us about this. So I felt like again, talk, working with the right kind of industry experts, right, uh, who are uh, focused and and driven in, for that particular set, set kind of thing. I believe that this was the right partnership, and I love building products, and you know, especially uh, this was something on our radar. So yeah, this was an easy yes for us. Yeah, absolutely. Outstanding, I, and and I was thrilled when you said so. And and uh, so so here's the thing. I, I want to yeah. kind of step everybody through what the process sure. entails. Um, sure. Just so yeah. if anybody's interested in making an app, first of all, don't call JP. He's busy working on my app. Second, <laughs> second of all, uh, if you are considering making an app, these are the things that you should do. Now, now most of this was opaque to me because you took the reins and you you've done this before and you just made it really simple. The right. only part that I really participated in is um, you said to me, mm -hmm. uh, create the wire diagram of the way you want it to look. What is it that you want the the user to see and do? And right. um, I, I got to admit, I, I was kind of at a loss. I used some PowerPoint and some really bad artwork, some clip art to kind of just step through what a screenshot would look. And we had to do like a flow chart of the different screens, yeah. how you presented a question, how you get the answer. Um, sure. What were you doing while I, while I was making the pictures? You were building a team, you were starting the process. What okay. do you do to start making an app? How do you go about doing that? Absolutely. So I think let's kind of walk through the process where when, when there's an idea, right? Any idea, uh, the key thing is to understand uh, who we are serving, right? So it was pretty clear with you uh, who we're trying to serve, what's our goal, uh, that sort of thing. So that, that was good. But I think the important aspect is to become very kind of uh, specific when it comes to exactly how we're going to accomplish that, right? So that's where the so we could call that ideation and requirement gathering is what we were doing with you, right? And 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 trying to get your mind into the you know especially the workflow and the flow of how this would work, and then the product requirements and and how we establish an iterative feature set, right? Because we could be building a lot of things at one time, but that's not how. And I'll tell you how long it took us to get from product specification to production, um, but mainly just uh, ensuring that we have the right amount of detail at the product conception level. And by the way, uh, my team is like really, really key to making me look good. So uh, <laughs> it's not me. This is not a one-man show. Uh, I have an amazing But you team pick the team. And that there's a skill in that. There's a talent in that. And being yes. able to harvest the right folks, that is that is managing. That is management. And that is valuable. Um, so, so I got to ask, mm -hmm. we talked about requirements. And the really neat part is, I think we distilled early on, yeah. functional yeah. requirements versus non-functional requirements. Yes. 
you know, what, what is going to make this thing work on a bare bones level? And what do we want to add to it eventually? What kind of extra paint yes. and, you know, yes. stuff do we want to put on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So because the, we understood the value proposition was that the ability to give uh, our users a quick way to do uh, prep for certain, you know, topics, as well as the full exam uh, that was also necessary for them to be able to give uh, with the timing uh, also being you know restricted the same as a, a real exam board. So I think uh, giving that and then uh, giving them a little bit more open time for like a topic wise preparation versus in a full exam, uh, that was key. And, and once we understood exactly what are the elements of that, I think from there, our overall process took us five weeks exactly to launch. So that blows <laughs> my mind. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, again, as I said, there's a team uh, who does a lot of good work and hard work. And and as you can, like the the way we were implementing it was, uh, we wanted to make it responsive. So anyone who's using uh, either desktop or different mobile devices with so many different form factors and screen sizes. We wanted to support all of them, right? Because again, uh, we, we want to make sure that everyone has a great experience using our app. So that was kind of the key aspect as well from a user experience standpoint. We had it on top of mind. And, you know, uh, again, it's a constantly improving <laughs> product. Uh, we're always finding and fixing issues and improving uh, stuff. But yeah, but we, we, we loved uh, the first version. We got it out and uh, you know, you, you have a great loyal following and we, we got a bunch of people using it and, and we got great feedback initially. And then, you know, we fixed those things and move forward from there. So, yeah, it's been overall great. Uh, yeah, there too. Okay. So, so we went requirements, then, uh, you have a team that you've drawn on before and yes. are some of these team members, do they overlap with the iCompass team as well? Yeah, it's a completely iCompass team. So we, we are, oh, okay, actually, okay. yeah, yeah. So our. Our team, we uh, selected a, a, a few of them to work on this particular product. Uh, again, our head of engineering, Joe Derrick, uh, he played a major role. And we have uh, Joseph Wardner, uh, uh, William Walker, and Nikki, uh, uh, Nicole, uh, who all participated in actually building this. And we had uh, some uh, some people in, in, in India as well, Sukhwinda. Uh, and, and there are some some other folks who who worked on the app as well. But overall, though, our team in the U.S. Uh, were the key people who participated and and did most of the work. And our head of engineering, I can't you know talk highly of him enough. Like uh, Joseph Derek, Joe Derek uh, is a longtime friend of mine, and also uh, he's a kind of a genius when it comes to product design and implementation. He's a he's my engineering head, and and he's a He's an amazing guy generally, but overall though, uh, from an engineering standpoint, uh, amazing guy to have uh, on the team, yeah. So I have to imagine, and and I, I only got to talk to Joe and a couple of the other folks just once, I think, during the process, but I was impressed as hell with them. And I got to imagine that they're the kind of people where they're already fully engaged in building your product. Yes. But when you tease them with this fresh raw meat and you say, <laughs> hey, Here's a new challenge oh, yeah. that you haven't done before. Do yeah. you mind being retasked and stepping over to this pet project over here? I, it seems to me like they jumped at the opportunity. They didn't seem to resent 
being taken no. away from their day job. <laughs> yes, yes. So the the thing is that uh, as far, if you're an engineer, you'll appreciate the fact that you are always writing code and and redesigning things as you're moving, you know, and 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 as as time progresses, and when some something fresh and new comes up you get to exercise all the learnings that you have you know made over the period of time last year or so because i'm always ashamed of the code i wrote uh, you know a few months ago forget <laughs> a year ago. so i'm like i look at the code and i'm like who the hell which monkey wrote this code like, i need to fire that guy i'm like oh that's my name so sorry i cannot fire myself so uh i, I uh, you know it is a constantly you know evolving engineering this is a discipline where like you know we have to be constantly improving uh becoming more productive um, uh, we have been heavily using chat gpt recently you know in, in terms of improving uh and reducing the amount of like uh grunt work that we might have to do to get to a point where we have to start really uh problem solving right so overall though uh that that's kind of the attitude that we have and 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 everyone and because it was a, a fresh new project they were like yes we're gonna try out all the stuff that we felt like we're not able to do because we have to redo or you know a refactor stuff that's uh there in in our existing code but no version but, control it's virgin territory <laughs> you get to go you get to jump exactly. right in and and exactly. start with the latest and greatest and then not only that, and they were able to pull it off the five week timeline is usually uh, it's very quick in, in any standard, by the way. So <laughs> these guys, uh, they, they were able to like, pull it off because the learnings uh, are real. Like they, these are actually you know, things that they were able to like uh, uh, fully implement and uh, were able to move, move forward really quickly because of that. So, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how uh, we always operate. And then that's that's why I'm part of my team. Yeah, absolutely. Is five now? I thought five weeks was insane. I I was expecting you to come back and say like eighteen months, you know. But <laughs> it, it, is that is that common? Is that common for your work? Is that common for the industry? I mean, that just it seems uh, really okay. Uh, all right, it's, it's, no, it's not. It's definitely not common. I think I feel like uh, really really good teams uh, probably like you know. So we have some really good, uh, you know. Uh, developers and programmers but overall though because especially again i have to give credit to joe first because he's the one establishing the right kind of design practices as well as you know uh the way we have set up our pipeline like you know because it once it's developed right it has to be promoted to uh through like dev uh you know uh and then UAT and, and production. So all of this, by the way, sorry, I, I left out a, a segment of my team. I should probably apologize to them, which is the operations team, right? They have been doing great job as well. So they set the environment up and they work with the developers to kind of make sure that, you know, we have the right kind of uh, things set up so that the IAC has- You want to name them? Give them a little credit. <laughs> so Ravi, uh, Ravi Pulumuru, uh, is also happens to be my brother. Oh, he just got that job through nepotism. <laughs> nepotism, yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, so he he runs and manages our ops team and, uh, you know, Lakshmoji and, and Mithun. There are a bunch of people on the ops side who have uh, helped us kind of, you know, ensure that our dev team can go as fast as they need to uh, because they do all the support work and, and make sure that things are ready for them, uh, especially from a deployment standpoint. So uh, all of that combined, again, all of these things coming together. I was also participating in that in a little bit here and there, but overall, uh, we, we, we just make sure that all things come together and 
when we were able to uh, deliver the product and and get get it out get it out soon yeah it was impressive as hell now i i gotta ask this and i'm not I'm not talking down the app. I love the app, but is the simplicity of the app, meaning show a question, ask for a response, go to the next question. Does that, did that help speed the development as well? I mean, there's no moving pictures. There's, it's not a game. You don't need real time interaction. Did that, did that all streamline the process too? It did. I, I think overall, though, as I said, we we picked the set of features, right? And also the way uh, the workflow. Again, this is where you and I and and our team collaborated to ensure that uh, we're delivering something that is valuable to the end end user. Uh, having that clarity uh, was super important, and I think without that, because a lot of times that's where people get stuck. You know, like you show you something, and you're like. This doesn't make any sense or this is probably like uh, kind of off, you know, so we don't want to have that kind of experience. And that's where we were able to arrive at that, you know, product spec fairly uh, uh, quickly. And also that they have, have the future stuff planned too, because we have some exciting stuff coming, you know, obviously uh, uh, we want to like engage better and again, make it more fun and, and, and useful for, for our users. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't want to give away anything. We got some <laughs> features planned that we're hoping will be like kind of revolutionary for this space. But some basic stuff that we want to add in the future. Um, uh, it looks great, but it's only available through the web portal. We want to get yes. it into the stores. We want to get into the app yes. stores because yes. that leads to, for some reason, people really like the easy adoption through that way. Um, how hard is that in terms of the process? You you even warned me at the beginning. You said we'll get there. We'll get there, but yeah. that's a bit more complex. Let's get it up and running and then we'll get it into the stores. What complicates that part of the process? So, first of all, because uh, you know, Android and iOS, uh they um have a whole, you know, the 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 rev share mechanism that they set put in place. And uh, we are going the Netflix model. So the 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 fact of like releasing an app into the App Store is not that complex, but the way we do it is 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 key and important. And I want it to be available and uh, easy to use for anyone, right? Including uh, like in all kind of devices. So first thing was making the website responsive. So it can be embedded inside an app. So we're, you know, something called a web view. That's a, that's a component, uh, in, in, you know, uh, in these app applications and because our stuff, we, we don't have to specially code everything. Not all the functionality has to be coded inside the apps you know, separately. So we, we felt like first getting the web application out and then we knew that we could embed most of the functionality inside the app and then release that as a additional channel. And that was the reason why we delayed that saying, okay, we can definitely do that, but let's get this right first. Let's make sure this, because now what happens is that whenever we add some new exciting features, whatever that might be, uh, we don't have to now uh, update our apps on the regular, right? So we could keep the app mostly focused on security and, and, and kind of ease of use, but uh, all the features don't have to be, you know, done on the app as well. So this was kind of the, the basically it's called a hybrid app. Uh, that's how we would be building this. And we, we are actually, you know, again, as you basically mentioned, we are going to be 
getting that out uh, relatively soon. Uh, we'll have you know the apps uh, we are we're working on that already, and yeah, that's that's going to come out soon. We are we are not dedicating a lot of bandwidth on that, but we're gonna you know uh, we we do have some people that we specifically hired and and we're working on multiple other stuff, but this is going to be something that they could be doing. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And um, if I understand what you're saying, then that way you don't have to promulgate the updates in different yes. flavors. You don't have to do one exactly. for Mac, one for exactly. iOS, one for it. it just, you right. fix the web app and then it populates to the other ones, right? Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. That's very cool. And that's worth waiting for. That makes a lot of sense because you don't want to you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you push one little change. Um, exactly. Would you would you consider this process? And I know this is Joe's process, and and I think it worked great. Obviously, would you consider right. this um, DevOps, DevSecOps, CI/CD, Agile? What would you call this the the approach that you used? We definitely use the Agile approach, right? So mostly, again, oh, we have been again Joe and I, you know, between us, we probably have like. 45 years of experience uh, building apps and building products. And we, our, our focus has been how to make this a, a painless for de developers as well as, you know, the stakeholders, right? Like stakeholders like you and me uh, from a business standpoint, uh, we don't want to like, you know, wait too long. Uh, and also, you know, from a, obviously the revenue is, is a big driver, you know, we need to be able to uh, pay the team, feed ourselves, and all you know, get clothing, all that good stuff. So, uh, pay the host. For some reason, AWS wants like wants to get paid for hosting us. I, is that amazing or what? I mean, come on, what's wrong with them? I know. Pay these, pay all these bills. Uh, so yeah, I, that's kind of why uh, getting getting to revenue uh, as quickly as possible. So we always are very very kind of passionate about that. So it's a natural process, but mostly kind of uh, because of all of the work that we did for iCompass and CISOBot, those learnings we were able to use. And that was, again, that, that's why I would credit a lot of that to Joe, because it's not just about the design and the product specification process, but also the the fact that we were able to put together a lot of the technologies and 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 the you know the IAC basically infrastructure as code that we built and the the pipelines that we had already ready and the frameworks that we had you know we have been using so we we could bring all that together much more quickly if we were doing this from scratch this would have taken longer obviously because we have to build all of that up but right now we had all that we just had to use it properly and that's kind of why five weeks you know, you know usually once you have done all this work the the iteratively that's easier to kind of get out but yeah that's awesome that's again you built the app from the ground up but you had yeah. all of the pragmatic pieces yeah. in place you had the team you had the process you had yeah. you know the, exactly. the the coding discipline that that's awesome yeah. um yeah, yeah. so I got to ask this question, and and again, I'm not ascribing blame. The the coders did everything great. This is my fault, and huh? and and maybe one of us should have caught this. Yeah. When when you run across issues that a user brings to your attention, do you ever just slap yourself in the head and go, "What was I thinking? How did we miss this?" The fact yep. this happened to me. This happened to me like two weeks ago. A user. Um, notified me and said um hey you don't have the price listed on the front page yeah. of the website and i said no no we don't and i remember 
I remember Ravi yeah. asking me, he asked me like four times, he said, what's the, does the front page look good? Are there any changes you want? How do you feel about the text? Do you think we should add any? And I kept looking at it going, no, this is really good looking. The, the colors are nice and the graphics nice. And, you know, and like an idiot, I didn't even think, oh yeah, maybe we should tell people how much it costs before they buy it. You know, I mean, uh, it seems like a basic yeah. mistake that I should have caught. Does that does that happen to you every time you make an app? Is there like oh, something yeah. fundamental where you go, oh man? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's oversight. But yeah, you're absolutely right. This uh, we had all of that inside the app, right? All that was yeah. <laughs> very clear there. But outside, we just like you know, yeah, you missed it, I missed it, and and I think you know, obviously. The focus was okay. What are we, uh, you know, what value are we creating? Okay, exam prep, this and that, all that. That's great. But now, price, yes, we should add the price. Well, yeah, I, I know this happens <laughs> enough, like often enough that I'm telling you, it's I, this is where uh, the community and the user feedback is so so important. And by the way, that change is coming in two days. That's we have oh, that good. all ready, ready to go. <laughs> that's, that's coming. So you know, uh, that, but again, yeah. I'm not picking on the team. This is this no, I know, is. I know. You know, this is fundamental stuff I should have caught. And and it was embarrassing, you know, and especially because our customers are security people. And what we were at, what we were asking them to do is register. Give us your information first, then we'll tell you how much it costs. And I'm like, oh yeah. I, I feel I feel humbled in my uh role as professional security guy, right? I'm the expert. Um yeah. Okay. So, but this happens all the time. This is not unusual. Oh, exactly. Okay. No, no, it happens all the time in the sense that, like, you know, I've seen big companies do this all the time too. But you know, we are a group of like, you know, like, even though we are professionals and we have a lot on our plates, right? Like, we, both of us. I know you. You do a lot of things. You know, I'm involved in a lot of uh, stuff that's happening uh, from a business standpoint, from engineering, product, and all of that. And you know. I think uh, this is where like we should rely on the community and and it's always about like if you're not embarrassed with what you have done <laughs> and not gotten it into the hands of your customers I think this is a famous thing that uh, the LinkedIn uh, founder said you got to you know you, you got to risk that you know I, I think you cannot have things perfect I think perfection is actually a like a huge hurdle you know you know uh, there's perfect a is the enemy of good enough Absolutely, exactly, yeah, and, yeah. and we're in agreement on that for sure. Yeah. yeah, we gotta get it out. I think it's okay to make mistakes. I think people should not be afraid of a little bit of criticism, a little bit of you know all that. That's absolutely fine because I think that's the only way you grow. Because get the good things right, and then yes, you know there are some other things that we missed. I'm fine with that. And again, that's why I keep saying this happens all the time because I want to get things out quickly, which means that. I might have missed something and that's absolutely fine and let the community you know slap you around a little bit and then you know and the funny it. the funny thing is and and i've seen this just in writing books too is sure. the vast the vast majority of the audience is very accepting they're just happy to get the content and sure. and they're very appreciative there's yeah. there's a minority among the community <laughs> who if you waited until it was 100% perfect, that you slaved yeah. and sweated and bled over it, and you handed only the most perfect thing to them, you know what they'd say? It's too <laughs> polished. Yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, that that segment of the audience is never going to be happy. They just, they're not happy unless they're complaining. So, okay. All right. Yeah, I, let's what we, something to complain. <laughs> I'm so happy that of what we created. It looks great. And like you said, you optimized it for whether it's mobile devices or whether it's someone's computer. It, it just looks terrific. People are very happy with the functionality. Um, I got to get my... I got to get my act together. I got to write more questions. I got to bulk up right. our content. Um, yeah, but I'm very pleased. Yeah. Right? I just want to add one point there. I mean, you sure. have been like, I mean, let's, let's, I want to let your audience know that you have been adding so many questions and we keep getting batches of questions from you already. I know that you still feel like you're not adding enough, but here's the thing that, you know, our app does, which none of the other apps do in this space is, showing you the coverage of how many questions, uh, you know, the percentage of questions that you have covered in a particular topic, you know, by topic. No one does this. No other competitor does this. Again, this is something that came out of, you know, our discussions and, and organically we felt like, okay, we are adding these questions and, you know, creating the question bank and making it bigger. But how do people know that they have covered everything? And this is, you know, again, your, it shows to your, you know, uh, uh, kind of dedication and, and creating all of these questions, but also the fact that, you know, uh, we want to innovate and, and give, you know, our users the experience to understand like, okay, I'm not really done here. You know, uh, I've given all these exams, but I'm not done because there's all this coverage left. So, yeah. And, I and, and the problem with this is I didn't think of this when we started out, sure. but I've now created a situation where I don't ever get to stop. Um, <laughs> with with all my previous work, like when I did the the ISC squared yeah. material, or or you know when I was publishing for the the apps for the books, um, right. I was contracted to write X number of questions, and then I right. deliver X number of questions on this date, and they'd right. publish them. Right. And then right. three years later, they'd ask for a revision, and they'd say, "Give us this many questions," and I'd do that. I don't get to do that anymore. Now, every week, every day, I'm writing more questions, and we just keep adding it and adding it and adding it. And I'm, I, I've now created a, a work in perpetuity. I'm supposed to retire soon, JP. You, you're getting in the way of my retirement, man. But yeah, but I think that's another neat thing that we're doing is we're not waiting for the test refresh to add right. more questions. We're right. actually adding more questions all the time. So that's another huge discriminator. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 More value, more value. Exactly. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, I want to give you an opportunity to, I don't want to just talk. Oh, oh, one last thing about sure. the app. And then I want to let you talk about um, uh, CISO bot. So yeah. let, let's just, I want to ask you one final question. If someone's listening because they want to learn how to make their own app, Sure. What, what are the top three suggestions, either positive or negative? Do this, don't do this. What would you say to them if they were asking for your advice? Right. So I would say get from ideation and requirement gathering. And when I say requirement gathering, uh, we were blessed to have Ben who already interacts with the you know users and, and basically his students uh, who are you know preparing with him uh, through his videos and learning and uh, preparing for the exam. So he had enough understanding and data about all that. So the key thing is to go talk to whoever is gonna be your end users, right? This is a very, very critical thing. So in, in our case, we didn't have to because Ben was there. 
but Ben was our kind of interface to that, right? So if you're starting with an idea, you think, okay, you've come up with a good idea, great. Validate that even before you start thinking about the product. Go, be flexible about it. And, and uh, what Ben said about creating mockups, that's really key because the idea has to now take a form in some way, you know, uh, use Figma, use whatever, it doesn't matter, or even a PowerPoint presentation, like uh, whatever your skill set are, right? <laughs> go utilize it and, and create something tangible that someone can see. So then you should be able to go uh, show them even just a PowerPoint screens on your phone or, you know, flip it around or whatever, it doesn't matter. You should be able to go and there's enough tools out there that can make help you do all of that right uh, be able to basically accomplish this so go and talk to your whoever is going to be your user right it is critical that you do at least 50 to 100 of these quote unquote customer interviews that is a critical part of your step it's a lot of work it's a lot, of, a work. lot of pretty and work yeah yes yes and you will learn a ton i think if you thought you knew about the idea when you started as you talk to people you're gonna learn so much and again not to say that you're gonna just take their advice as is and use in your app no no, no. but you are trying to find the commonality among all of them right and then formulate how you're going to solve the problems that you're encountering and and uh, the kind of value proposition that you're trying to create, right? So from ideation to customer interviews and then formulation of your, you know, the problem and the solution, which is, and the, and the value proposition should be very, very clear. And this is where you'll also, because you have to articulate, you know, what you're bringing to the table, even these doing these customer interviews is going to help you with that as well. Because the, the formulation, the, the wordings, because what's going to resonate, that is going to be super critical for you, right? So this is now, even before you have put together your product, and here is where you have to like find uh, the right kind of feature set and things that you can uh, build quickly, easily, but also enough value in there that someone's going to either buy or at least try out your product, even if they don't, uh, you know, uh, pay money for it initially. Uh, you want them to go try though, because trying it real time, that's that's going to be super important. And then slowly you come to a point where they actually are willing to pay. That's the real test for your product. And, you know, you keep iterating to the point where you get there. So that that, that would be my suggestion. And, and that's where the implementation and obviously the engineering aspect come to play. And there's a lot of ton of, you know, videos that can tell you about, you know, just engineering your product, you know, that, that side of things. But this ideation to like you know getting to uh to the customer and going to customer's hands and really iterating that part of it this has to be a thing that you know people they don't understand how hard this is or you know they don't appreciate the fact that until you get into it like you know you, you i think there's someone who said um like doing a startup is like you know chewing glass and looking into the abyss that's <laughs> every now and then you feel that <laughs> But you gotta, you gotta push through it, man. You gotta, you gotta keep going. I'm like, so that's what the flavor I've been tasting exactly. is. It's, it's glass. glass. Oh, it's yeah, glass. It's okay. Glass. All right. It is. Um, you know, okay. And it's funny when when you eat when you talk about getting people willing to pay, that yes. includes people willing to, if you're gonna do an advertising model, yes. if they're willing to sit through an ad to use your app. 
that's still another form of payment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The, see, the attention of the user is a big deal, right? Yeah. Being able to uh, grab their attention and then actually, again, follow through on your promises, right? All of that. It, these are all things. If if you're an entrepreneur or, or want to be, you know, want to get into this, uh, that my that's my advice. I think customer interviews is your starting point. That's a really really key takeaway. If if, if you forget everything else and remember one thing, I would say, do your customer interviews. Do hundred of them. Seems like awesome. a lot. It is a lot, and it's needed. Yeah. And it's great. It's funny you talk about customer engagement. Um, yeah. Our our business is kind of weird compared to other ones in that sure. our customers engage for a very short time. They're going right. to study, then they're going to take the test, then they're going to quit our stuff. Yeah. And that yeah. we know that. We know that, yeah. and it's yeah. okay. That's the way it's designed. Yeah. But while they're studying, they're engaged. They go through all the questions. They're trying to squeeze every little bit of value out of it. And I love that. I think that's great. Pe people really are seeing the, the value in it. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, definitely seeing some good engagement on on my end as well. But overall, though, as I said, uh, this is a is a good learning experience for all of us, and we are trying to grow from this and and improve so we can provide the right kind of you know uh, guidance for people who are prep preparing for the exam. So yeah, excellent. Um, okay, so I don't want to make this all about want to practice. Tell <laughs> us about CISOBot. Um, sure. When you came on the you came on the show, uh, yeah. I want to say eight months ago. Um, yeah, yeah. What have you been doing since then? You were you were all excited about some updates, and you wanted to yes. you were going to grow some more. Tell us where you're at now. Yeah, so we definitely um, uh, looking back to eight months. I would say we we have uh, grown a lot. We have added some new cool features. Again, it's not just about the coolness of the feature, but how valuable is it? So, like one of the features that I talk about. Oh, is sorry, the... sorry. Let's start. Let's start. Explain what CISOBot is. Yes. For those who didn't listen to the previous episode. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I should start from the beginning. Yeah. So CISOBot is our you know, way to automate cybersecurity strategy. So we want to help our, you know, our customers uh, navigate through this maze called cybersecurity because it is not something that is a, 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 a one-size-fits-all solution. There's no such thing because... If, if anyone tells you my tool does everything for you for cybersecurity standpoint, they're lying. <laughs> so, run, run, run away. They're either, they're either yeah. lying, stupid, or selling you something, or all three. All three, and and all of that yeah. is bad for you. Yeah. So you know you yeah. gotta run. So, and and what we are saying is that we are definitely not solving all the problems for you, but we want to help you navigate through that because we saw as we were building our. Uh, compliance automation and cybersecurity posture management for your infrastructure and some of those aspects. And again, we also do penetration testing and basically full VAPT, uh, you know, vulnerability assessment and penetration testing for our customers. We do many other things, but, and the key thing was automation for compliance. That's how we got started, which is, that's why the company's name is called iCompass, which is infrastructure compliance as a service. And you know, we, we were doing, you know, SOC, SOC 1, SOC 2, uh, we still do, like, you know, ISO 27001, all of these compliances and HIPAA. And we, we as we were serving our customers, and this is where you have to listen, and you have to listen to your customers and understand what's going on, because they might not be directly communicating, but 
by understanding the use cases that they're using it for and how they're engaging with your product and when they're engaging with your product, you get a lot of this information and where are they seeing more challenges? And, and what we found was navigating through this, as I said, maze, and that's why we actually created a taxonomy. I think we, we were talking about that last time. Uh, and again, this is not my own making. It's, it's a contribution from a lot of other people who have thought through a lot of this. But we put it together in an interactive way uh, in our, you know, in, in our app. So if you want to see that, please uh, sign up uh, at CISOBot.ai. You know, I have to plug. Uh, sorry. <laughs> please, no, no. And I'll put it in the show links too. Now, now yeah. I think I misspoke on the episode that you were on, on the previous time you were on the show. I called it a GRC tool. And I think you got kind of mad at me. Because <laughs> I didn't under, I did not fully understand what CISOBot was or what you intended it to be and and you explained it to me and and you tell me if i'm getting this wrong it's not it's not a way to set policy it's not just a way to establish like a configuration baseline in order to stay compliant with a given set of standards or regulations it does that but what it also does is it combines some of the other stuff including the vulnerability assessment including uh checking your existing controls in yes. order to determine how you how a CISO or a manager could Correct. best optimize that environment for whatever industry it happens to be in. So for instance, right. and again, correct me if I'm wrong, if it's an e-commerce retailer, mm-hmm. you're gonna check them against PCI DSS and no. tell them, give them suggestions on other things, other controls, other approaches that they mm-hmm. might use to optimize that approach. Is that kind of correct? Absolutely right. So uh, this is actually, again, you're helping me lead into the fact that uh, we want to tailor make, you know, the, 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 the strategy part of it, which is again, a CISO function. So CISO meaning chief information security officer, a lot of your listeners who are preparing for the exams as well are aspiring to be at that, you know, you know, uh, that's what, that's what they're trying to get to. uh, I would imagine if they're doing CISSP and CCSP. Obviously, these are uh, problems that are, you have to understand the business, you have to understand the kind of vendors that you're using, the data sets that you have. There's a lot that goes into making these decisions. That's why you need a human being. What we are trying to do with CISOBot is allowing to surface all this information as much as, as you can so that you can make the right kind of decisions because all decisions have will have trade-offs based on the size of your business too, right? Because it is not just that, like, you know, if you're an enterprise level company, the kind of decisions you make are gonna be different. The kind of vendors you onboard are gonna be different uh, when it comes to certain solutions that are out there. But if you're a smaller company, you know, mid-sized company, mid-tier company, and also the, again, the type of business is super important. That actually drives a lot of the decisions, right? So uh, I'll, I'll just basically like, you know, just, I'll ask this question to the listener if they have interacted with any engineering team or you know an, an architect and no offense to any architects but they have a lot on their plate you know when i say you know enterprise architects so generally architects if you ask them for a, a diagram right usually it takes them weeks if you're lucky right because a network yeah. diagram you're talking about a, a, the of the production environment yeah 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 for the production environment including network as well as all the components and, and different because things. first right. of all they're chasing a moving target it never yes. stays the same from moment Absolutely. to moment right and exactly. second of all they don't have the time to go and just write all that stuff down because they're busy yeah. doing the job 
right? Correct, correct. Yeah. And uh, when you need that diagram for, like, you usually need this to submit as part of your, you know, audit and compliance. And there, there are things. Or to that... give to your underwriter if you're looking for a cyber insurance policy, or <laughs> investors if you want to correct. prove how secure you are. Yeah. yeah. And nowadays, I believe, like, you know, even your board members would want to know, like, what's going on and, and keep up with things and all of that. So, so, uh, and the board loves that, pictures because that's what they understand. <laughs> they love, love, love seeing pictures. So, uh, we came up with a way to draw the, the architectural diagram in an automated way, right? Basically, take a snapshot of your architecture at any given point in time and then, you know, give you the ability to kind of see that going back because. Things keep evolving and also for the you know person either the senior security analyst or the chief information security officer, this becomes a reference diagram. So you don't have to wait for weeks. You do it in that. Yeah. Just that function in and of itself has value. I mean, even if the tool didn't do anything else, just exactly. automating yeah. a network diagram is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly why. And that's why we are always very careful what we pick because. We have a product roadmap with a lot of things we want to do, but eventually it, it comes down to what the customer is asking for. Who's who are we focusing on and how we are doing that? So that's been one of the things that you know we we've added. We we added a technology discovery as well, where we're using a vendor to find out what all technologies you have been using. And there's a lot of information out there even before you sign up. There's like information that we have about, you know, I mean, we could find out about you uh, that's out there, uh, out in the ether of the internet. Open, and, are you talking about open source? Is that, is that it, what you're talking about? It's not open about? source, yeah. but it's publicly available though. It's publicly okay. That's open source. That is open, that is, <laughs> from an, from an, I'm sorry, from the intelligence community, that's considered a, with <laughs> IT, in the IT world, open source means something else, but yes, yes yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. so yeah, that's available publicly. And, and the thing is, uh, we don't realize how much we are advertising, like how much of the stuff that we tell the hackers and, you know, you know. Because uh, if you can find it, your antagonists can find it. Of course they can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 they yeah. have a lot of information through, uh, just through their, D through your DNS, you're advertising a lot of things. Through uh, your website where you're embedding things and, and your the way the network is flowing through, you can find out so many things about your company that, you don't realize, and this is just the way the whole web works anyway. So this, unfortunately, this is not something that's a problem for one one company or the other. It's it's a, a thing that has to be managed well. And that's why having the right controls in place is so important for you. You know, cybersecurity posture, and again, I'm, a, I'm passionate about this topic mainly because I want things to be more secure and, and these uh, unethical hackers to not have access, you know, to your systems and my data because I'm probably using your products. So, you know, I have a selfish, you know, goal there too, but yeah. So now, eight months after our first uh, meeting, yes. I know better than to ask, well, how can you make this? Because I've seen you make an app in, in five weeks. Yes. But uh, my question to you instead, a more informed question, how do you prevent yourself from scope creep? Because I know you now, and I know you want to add everything to this. You want to make the Homer Simpson car that has all the features in it. How do you go yeah. about limiting yeah. and focusing? Uh, that's uh, it. Kind of becomes easy because when we have a small team, right? Our focus has uh, we we keep reevaluating uh, and, and making sure that are we meeting our customers' needs and ensuring that you know. 
uh, we cater to them in a way that makes us sticky and they, they, you know, get the most value out of us. Right. So, and, and as part of that, like, we actually, I'll tell you, we are trying to help. Uh, we are actually collaborating with an incubator. We, we signed a contract with a incubator called a hub or a hub. It's called, uh, they are, you know, uh, just like, uh, there's, uh, if, if, if familiar, there's a T hub, which is, uh, for Telangana state. So by the way, I'm in India right now. Uh, I'm trying to grow my business here because I, I see a lot of opportunities and a lot of growth happening. And I, I realize you're that coming home at some point. I'm coming home, I'm coming oh, okay. home in, right. in a month, in a month, but it's, it's, it's been, it's been really interesting. Uh, the whole journey I've taken here, but overall, uh, we are trying to help out, you know, the startup ecosystem. Uh, through a hub uh, partnership where we are offering a certain tier for free for them uh, so that they can get uh, their you know feet wet into when it comes to cybersecurity and foster the culture because again the the next generation startups uh, should not have to think about this when an auditor comes knocking on their door right it should be uh, right now when as you're building it oh am i taking this into account you know am i taking security into account and that should be the that should be the way you think and, and that we want to foster that culture and there's a huge need for that in in india so yeah that's uh, from that standpoint again just coming back to your question about scope creep i would say it keeps us very disciplined because we keep reevaluating and looking at uh this serving a need of a particular customer. And then, and to that point, I'll, I'll actually talk a little bit more here about uh, one segment that we are going after, uh, which are uh, MSPs or managed service providers, right? So uh, you'll be shocked. And I, I was at a, a conference uh, called Convergence India in Delhi. So New Delhi, uh, uh, there was a conference uh, and uh, this was end of you know uh, March and I learned a lot from that, and I also learned that all of these managed service providers who are basically doing operations work or maybe a little bit of dev work for their clients, and they typically range from, you know, having 50 clients to uh, 3,000 clients. I've met, you know, companies who have that number of clients, and these are not Accenture's or the, you know, TCS's. Uh, no, I'm not talking about those. I I'm talking about lot of uh, around, I think, if I'm not wrong, around 3000 odd uh, MSPs, which are like the smaller ones that exist uh, in India overall. And, you know, wow. and I think, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are, we are uh, exploring that ecosystem of like, how do we serve these companies who do not have cybersecurity uh, as a, a competency and also and no product or anything that they are able to offer to their customers. And what we realized was it's a super underserved market and also a quick way to, for us to grow. So we, <laughs> uh, we came up with a licensing model, right? Which will help them get hands on the features that they were not otherwise would be able to get their hands on at a very low cost. And they could make uh, a, a lot of money remediating uh, on that. So yeah. That's kind of when you were on the show last time you offered uh, listeners a free trial period. Yes. Um, is, is that still part of the pricing model? Can we still, can we still advertise that? Should we promise yeah, absolutely. that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
We do. We do. It's so a good way. It's yeah. a good way to expose the value to the potential customers, right? Exactly. Both exactly. to the MSPs and to their end customers as well. Yes. Exactly Very right. Cool. Exactly right. Very cool. So yeah, we do offer a thirty-day free trial because I think the the, the kind of segment we are in. Uh, proof is in the pudding. We, we cannot, you know, uh, we cannot just show them. No one's going to pay for a new product they've never heard of before exactly. unless they get to take it for a test ride. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why, and we are able to convert most of the people doing POC uh, as long as, again, I think they have the, you know, full intention to do their own business, right? As they're growing their business, they find our tool indispensable because we do alerting for them. We tell them, if something is changing in their environment, if something's starting to fail in their environment, we start alerting them and in from multiple channels as well. So we do emails automatically, but we also have Slack integration, team integration, all of that kind of good stuff. So they can get all that information flowing through uh, as they need to. So yeah, that's uh, that's why you know we are trying to grow, and especially in the MSP market, we believe we can have an outsized impact uh, given this very underserved and they they are really they're licking their lips when we were talking about like <laughs> you, you can so it's three steps right you onboard your customer you generate a white label report so they don't have to know that it's my compass i'm okay with that as long as i'm providing the service and they're paying for the licensing fee and then you take that report and show your client and say hey we found all these things hey we have been proactive we want you to be secure right and even this is outside the compliance side of things it's just cybersecurity. you show them the report and say hey we found all these issues what do you want us to do they're not going to say don't do anything just sit on it they'll say go fix it right now the critical <laughs> thing is especially right go fix them so it is a one two three simple process and now they're going to be able to charge for the you know time and material cost that they, they're going to incur solving that problem and remediating those issues so and yeah, that's going to be a recurring continual process too. It's not that exactly, you just fix one exactly. thing one time. This is yeah. now a product they need yes. forever. That's awesome. Yes. I, I yes. am really proud to uh, be a friend and colleague of yours. Uh, I, I love the partnership that Wanabia has. And um, I, 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 you know, I encourage CISO bot adoption and, <laughs> and I'm interested to see where it goes. And I hope I can help uh, in whatever way. Um, absolutely we're counting on you man <laughs> we love it and i love i love i love our collaboration and i think uh we can do really good things again we are trying to serve a community so you know i'm i'm all for that yeah outstanding outstanding well all right enjoy the rest of your trip um stay safe uh bring ravi home in one piece i know that he's delicate That's right. <laughs> um thank you again until next week i'm ben maliso and this has been the sensuous sounds of infosec Hey there, listener, Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel Wannabeacissp. 
feedback or questions on what we discuss, send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com, and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.